0: We are continuing uh, this series that we started these last last several weeks ago. In fact, throughout the summer, we're six weeks in. We're going into chapter seven today, a- and as we see within the gospel, um, that there is um, there's kind of a break in the action here in these next couple chapters. In chapter seven, and chapter eight, already six chapters in, we've seen miracles, we've seen teachings, we've seen big challenges, we've seen as. Again, the focus is on John the Baptist, and then Jesus jumps into the public light, and we we see all of these things already very quickly in the first six chapters, and and yet John was very clear from the very beginning why he wrote his gospel, right? And we've looked at it already a couple times, but at the end of the gospel, he tells us his purpose for writing, right, was to convince us without a doubt that Jesus was the Messiah, okay? and that as we are convinced of that fact, that then our lives would be not just saved, but truly transformed by his presence, right? As we invite him into our life, as we walk with him every day in faith. And and so we know that everything that John includes in his gospel is moving us towards that end. And again, we've noticed there's lots of things that John doesn't include, right? There's but there's, um, again, the the miracles, the events, the teachings, the things that he does um, always takes new ground, right, in getting us towards that goal of knowing without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is the Messiah, and that we are saved through him. Now, as John is building this case, right, we know, again, everything he teaches us is on purpose to convince his original audience as well as us that Jesus is the Messiah, and and by going through it by chapter by chapter, we're going through it really quickly. I mean, there's a lot more in it than what we can cover, you know, in a chapter a week. Now, with that said, is so many times, there's, as we've already seen, there's very very famous and familiar miracles and stories in the Gospel of John. And, and yet, by going, it, going to it a little faster, we're kind of taking a step, one step back and saying, what are some of the themes we can see the overall through the entire book and the whole gospel, not just the individual stories, and and how are they linked together. And and we see that a lot today in chapter 7 as well as 8, as we see some of the bigger purposes that John is is giving us in what he tells us. All of that to say that chapter 7 and 8 are a break in the action. In fact, when we look at these two chapters, so today and as well as next week, um, there is no miracle done. There is no huge event. Literally, both of these chapters is just dialogue and debate. It's kind of like a mid-project checkup. It's kind of John saying, okay, let's take a time out. We've already gone over lots of big stuff, but, but before we move on, let's just take a chance and ask the question, how are we doing? What are we learning? Are, are Are we learning anything about Jesus? Are we being convinced anymore that he truly is the Messiah? And and this kind of this rhetorical question that John gives us in this this mid-book break of this story is is where I want to start today. I want to start with just this question that's really presented in these two chapters is what is your reaction to Jesus? with everything you've seen, with everything you've heard, with all the miracles, with all these things, what, what's your reaction to Jesus right now? And as, as we ask that question, obviously of ourselves, like he was asking that question of the original audience as well. And, and, and even those you know, that, that Jesus interacted with, even with all of these stories and, and miracles, and the, the people that saw, the people that, that heard it firsthand, we, we see, again, their reactions in this chapter. Hey, I, and the truth of, of what we see, right, the, the verdict of this question within the text this morning in John chapter 7 is, truthfully, a very mixed bag. Hey, is there's, there's lots of mixed reviews on what people really feel and react to Jesus. But right? so we see all kinds of different views. And, and again, this morning, as we kind of work through the chapter, we're going we're gonna to look at these different different reactions, right? And and views of Jesus. And and again, and not just what they're presented to us in the text, but but how do they apply to today in 2020? Because the truth is all the reactions we see in John chapter 7 at this point of those around Jesus at that time, we see them just as much today. We see those same reactions today in 2020 than what John identifies in the text. Now, also in John, is there's, there's a few different places where, where John finishes a story, an event, at the end of a chapter, and then he moves into the next chapter, and he skips a significant amount of time. Okay, so I mean, we go from like one sentence to the next sentence, sometimes is months, right? Even, even years between stories. And this is one of those instances between chapter 6 and chapter 7. There, we don't know how much time has passed between these two stories, right? But John jumps in in the, the first of chapter 7, and he sets kind of the context for what happens in chapter 7. And the context is um, is a, um, it all happens in, at a Jewish festival in Jerusalem. Okay, now this this festival, okay, is known as the Jewish Festival of Shelters. Okay, now this is a festival where where every, you know, d- a devoted Jewish follower, okay, would, would celebrate this holiday, and this holiday was to commemorate Right, the time that Israel spent in the desert, where they all lived in tents and followed God through the wanderings. That right, again eventually ended up where they 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 ended up in the promised land and were given that area, and then the temple was built in Jerusalem. And so again, the, the tradition of this festival was to, to go to Jerusalem, right, to, to to camp out in these shelters for these days, to again to commemorate and remember the history that Israel had gone through in living in those, those tents all of those years. Right? and just to celebrate the fact that God was with them and had brought them into this new season as a nation. Now, the, this this whole festival is described in Leviticus chapter twenty-three. If you're interested, go and read it, and about all all the things that they did. But that that's the context of what's going on here. Okay? and then we start we start off with with chapter seven, John seven. So I invite you to open your Bible with me to John chapter seven. Again, we're not going to read every. Um, every passage today because we just simply don't have time to do that. So I'm going to summarize a few of them. This, this first section in John chapter 7, the first nine verses, okay, does not actually happen at the festival. It happens between Jesus and his, and his immediate close family. In fact, it's, a, it's a, a conversation between Jesus and his earthly brothers. Now, they have this conversation. They're discussing about whether they're going to attend the festival because it's something that they've always done. Again, they were a committed Jewish family. They followed those traditions. And so they present Jesus. They're like, hey, Jesus, are you coming to the festival? Now, Jesus tells them, hey, guys, you know what? I'm not going to go up to Jerusalem for this festival. You guys go on without me because there are people in Jerusalem that want to kill me. Now, I think that's a pretty good reason to not go. Right now, again, there, Jesus tells him this. He's like, no, guys, you guys, you guys go on. Without me, I'm going to hang back. Now, th- this is a very interesting exchange between Jesus and his brothers. And, and, and it, it gives us the first view of Jesus, the first reaction to Jesus that we see coming from, from his brothers. Okay, because Jesus' Jesus's brother's view of Jesus at this point was that, that Jesus needed to claim the fame. Okay, and he, he needed to uh, take advantage of it while he could. I mean, you just imagine them, you know, in, in this moment, in this conversation. Okay, it, go, it kind of goes back and forth. And he's like, and because now think about their perspective. Right? They knew Jesus in a way that, that other people didn't know Jesus. Right? They had grown up with Jesus. Okay? They were coming from this perspective of him. Of, right, this was, he was the older brother that could do no wrong. Right, can, can you imagine growing up in that household? You know, going, these, these guys are coming to Mary and Joseph and be like, how come you always side with Jesus? You, you think he's always right, right? He, he can never do anything wrong. Why, why, why can't you treat us like you treat him? Right? I mean, you can just imagine the conversations that happened over the years between Jesus and, and these guys. Right? And now they have a moment. Now, all of a sudden, Jesus starts doing these miracles and, and he's becoming this public figure and he's making all of these claims that he's divine and kind of all of these things. And, and literally, his brothers are like, hey, bro, claim the fame. Right? Because, I mean, truthfully, if Jesus accepts the fame and gets in the spotlight, the more famous he becomes, the better it benefits them. Right? As they're obviously associated to Jesus. And that's their reaction. And again, we, we see here, again, in verses 4 and 5, we, we see kind of this, this reaction of them. They, again, they say to Jesus, they say, you can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, then show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. Again, their first reaction, right, was, come on, bro, like, claim the fame, like, get famous, like, because it's going to help us. The more famous you are, right? But notice, like, there's a hint of sarcasm, right, in this statement to Jesus, right? Because then again, then John adds this statement at the end of this discussion, right? For even his brothers didn't really believe him. And, and as we, we see that that reaction, right, uh, we, we that's something that we understand today because we see the same reaction to Jesus today. Okay, is that there are people that look at Jesus and they literally just want to get out of it what they can get. Okay, how do we see it today? Just like Jesus' brothers then, some people that use Jesus and they use the church to make themselves feel better. Again, their belief in Jesus is shallow and, and if even decided. They they don't even know what they really believe about Jesus. But yet, they're willing to get whatever they can get. Right? And and I mean, that's the posture that we sense from his brothers here. Again, they're not necessarily, they're not just around Jesus or around the church just, just to make themselves feel better. But in some cases, they're here literally for the handouts of the giving people, right, and and perhaps you've observed it, right? That typically those people, if this is their reaction to Jesus, their motivation for being around God's people is that they're they're around long enough to get what they can get, and as soon as they burn some bridges or or you know the giving people catch on or whatever it is, then they 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 move on. They, and and. It's not one that we want to admit happens, but yet we all sit back and be like, yeah, that happens. Right? That is a realistic reaction to Jesus. We see this happen not just within the church. I mean, just in our culture in general, right? People do what they do to get out of it what they can get for themselves, and then they run it dry, and then they move on. Right? And this is one, the first reaction that we see within this chapter to Jesus. And then we move into the next section of this chapter, chapter 7, verses, uh, verses 10 through 36. Okay? And in this, we see the first of two reactions of the crowds okay? and of, of the Jewish people. Now, because these crowds were Jewish people, right? They were, they were here to celebrate this Jewish festival. Okay? Now, these crowds were, it was, it was a, once again, a mixed bag of reactions. Okay, the first part of the crowd, it was their reaction was that he could be a crazy man trying to deceive everyone. Okay, now, this part of the crowd, okay, this part of the crowd, these are the Jews that haven't really made up their mind about Jesus yet. Right? They're not really sure about Jesus. They, you know, they, they know that there's something significant about him, that he's different, that things are changing, but yet we don't know if he's really who he claims he is, or is he just here to deceive us? Okay, because we see there's there's these two very distinct crowds within the festival. Because, and we've already inferred, right? And, and John tells us in, in verse 10 that Jesus does end up going to the festival. That he sends his brothers ahead. And then it says he goes there secretly, just so that he doesn't try to draw a lot of attention to himself, but then as he gets there, and, and as they move, you know, through the, the days of the festival, Jesus kind of comes more into the public eye, and draws more attention through, throughout the festival, and, and as he does that, we start to see, again, the, the, how the crowds become very divided, right, and this, this first part of the crowd, again, the, the, the Jews that haven't yet made up their mind about Jesus, who is he really you know, is he really who he says he is, or is he just deceiving us all? We're just not really sure. Okay, now in the midst of this, of this context, this environment at the festival, um, Jesus, again, finally kind of speaks up, right, while he's there. And, and so I want to pick up in the text in John chapter 7, uh, verse 16. So again, if you have your Bible with you, please follow along with me. If not, you can just listen as I read it but we're going we're to look at, um, at what happens here with this crowd. John 7, starting at verse 16. It says, So Jesus told them, My message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves, but a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. Moses gave you the law, but none of you obeys it. In fact, you are trying to kill me. And the crowd replied, you're demon possessed. Who's trying to kill you? And Jesus replied, I did one miracle on the Sabbath and you were amazed. But you work on the Sabbath too when you obey Moses' law of circumcision. Actually, this tradition of circumcision began with the patriarchs long before the law of Moses. For if the correct time for circumcising your son falls on the Sabbath, you go ahead and do it so as not to break the law of Moses. So why should you be angry with me for healing a man on the Sabbath? Look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. Again, as we stop there, and we stop here with this incredibly deep statement by Jesus. Again, he's interacting with this crowd, this 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 mixed bag of reviews, the people that aren't really sure what to do with Jesus. And again, Jesus here is establishing his authority to teach. And again, where does he say his authority comes from? He says, my authority comes from God himself. Now remember, from from their perspective, Jesus is a self-appointed rabbi. He didn't come up through the Jewish ranks. Right? He just shows up and he starts teaching, and he claims authority to be able to teach. And, and, and here, right, they, uh, he's telling him where his authority comes from. But, and, and again, that's why they're kind of coming, well, is he just here to deceive us? Is he just feeding us a line? Because here, this, this man just kind of showed up right, and wants us to follow him. And he's saying all these, these hard, strange things, and we're just not really sure what to believe. And, and so Jesus establishes authority here by saying it's coming from God himself. Okay, not like from the Jewish teachers that have come up through tradition, and that's where they had turned. And again, we've seen that theme a couple times already in the Gospel of the danger of looking to tradition, right? And so Jesus says, he's like, that's where my authority comes from. And then he calls out the Jewish authority for their double standard. Because he goes, what, sets, what has set this up? We saw in the previous chapters, right? That it was Jesus healing on the Sabbath that kind of got, got all the tension brewing. And now he calls them out and says, hey, you're mad at me for, for healing somebody on the Sabbath, and yet, you know, you work on the Sabbath in the same way, right? If, if it's God's will, if it's if it's something that you believe that God needs you to do, you do it, even if it's a Sabbath. Right? And he calls them out Right, these Jewish leaders for their double standard. And then after doing that, Jesus makes the statement in verse 24. And this this is, is a verse, right, that 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 should be on plaques in our homes. Right? And yet it's not a memory verse that we typically see, right? But 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 it's it's one that we should look at every day. John 7:24. Look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. that is some good advice, right? From the word, from the mouth of Jesus, right? He is challenging them to make a decision on who are you going to listen to. And he's telling them, don't don't just blindly follow what's popular. Don't just blindly follow what just random, you know, um, authority figures teach you. He says, dig deeper yourself. Because there's there's more going on than meets the eye. Dig deeper. Look yourself and make an educated decision on what you are going to follow and what you are going to believe. Again, he he tells them, you you cannot just blindly follow everything you hear. You need to, to dig beneath the surface. And I'll tell you, this advice by Jesus is more relevant today than it seems like it ever has been before. Because we cannot just blindly follow what is being fed to us. Okay, a a very loose translation, right, of this verse could be, don't get your news from Facebook. Dig deeper. Right? No where your is coming from. By what authority are they making that claim? Right? Just Jesus says dig deeper. And this applies so many places in our lives. Right? This is true to the news headlines, for political candidates, for community issues. This is even true with biblical teaching. I tell you, do not do something because I tell you to do it. They do something because you have dug deeper in the scriptures yourself and you see the truth that it holds and that is what you're going to stand on and follow. Don't do it because I tell you to do it. Don't do it because any other biblical preacher tells you to do it. Don't, don't, don't follow Jesus because it's popular. Jesus himself tells us to dig deeper. Go beneath the surface. There's more to it than you know. Do the research, dig deeper, and make your own decision. And, and we see, again, this, this whole idea, right? He's saying, just, you, you cannot blindly follow. Okay, and Jesus is inviting them. He says, dig deeper, because Jesus he said, like, this is an invitation. He says, I have nothing to hide, right? The deeper you dig, the closer you'll get to God if you follow me. And again, how do we see this play out today? Okay, we see this play out today because there are those that, that hear about salvation through grace and the teaching of Jesus, and it seems strange and foreign to them. And again, that, that's a kind of a normal reaction, that yeah, Jesus might be real, but he also could just be a cultural myth. And we're not really sure which one. It is. Okay, and, and we see this reaction to Jesus, I, I mean, all the time. And yet, the truth is, there are all kinds of cultural myths that we all believe in, right, that that we follow. And and again, Jesus is challenging us, not just about our faith, but in everything in our life. He says, dig deeper, do the research. Figure it out on your own. I made you smart for a reason. Figure it out. Dig deeper. I don't know if you've ever, um, you know, thought about the cultural myths that are just out in in our culture. Okay, but there's a lot of them. I mean, they're all over the place. We have these things. Now, um, this is a pretty old show, but it was one of the shows that I loved watching. Um, and and uh, this show, maybe you've seen it before. It was, it was on um, the Discovery Channel, okay? the show Mythbusters. Again, it's been off the air for several years, but, but this show was centered literally around this premise of like, they, they took a cultural myth, right? And then they scientifically examined it and said, is it plausible or is it debunked? right? Or is it true? Okay, and again, that kind of, kind of the end, they would take two or three cultural myths on each, on each episode, and, and kind of examine them as much as they could scientifically to decide, is it, yes, it's, it's true, right? Or, or it's, it's debunked, like it's not true at all, or, or they, or the, the middle road conclusion was plausible, right? Like, I mean, it might be, but we can't, we don't really know. now, again, this, this show was on for 14 seasons, it just shows you how many cultural myths they were like they didn't run out of things to investigate for 14 seasons and again I don't know I mean I encourage you if you've never seen it I mean you know look it up on, on Netflix or whatever I don't even know where you can find it but it's a pretty old show at this point but but again it was, it was interesting and fun for me to watch I just I, I liked the show hey but but I just bring it up to say there are so many cultural myths that surround us every day Right? And Jesus tells us, dig a little deeper. Don't just blindly follow. Okay, dig deeper. No matter what your reaction is, like, like come to a conclusion yourself. Again, the, the, the premise right, of this show right, was that even though we're undecided about, about this myth, we're, we're, we're willing to take a deeper look at it. Right? And especially if you're undecided about Jesus, be willing to take another look. Right? Are you willing to listen to at least both sides? Can, can we be willing to listen to both sides of any issue? Don't just blindly follow. Dig deeper. So we see this, this first reaction. Then the, the third reaction I want to point out is, is, is with the rest of the crowd. Okay? The, the rest of these Jewish leaders and their view of Jesus. Okay, the, the Jewish leaders' view of Jesus, these are ones who were already decided about who Jesus was. Because we saw they are already thinking about killing Jesus. Okay, they've already decided, this guy, we, we can't be over to him, we got to get rid of him. Okay, but the Jewish leaders' view of Jesus was that he's a troublemaker, he stirs up drama, and he disrupts our comfort by challenging our authority. Like we are, see again in this dialogue, even in chapter seven, he challenges their authority all over again. I mean he's already done that in the gospel a couple times. right And he does it again in chapter seven. And, and we see again, for these Jewish leaders, right their view of Jesus is that we've already decided, right we don't need to look any deeper at all. We know we just need to get rid of him because he is threatening what we hold close. Again, he's disrupting, to the life that I like. And so we just need to get rid of it. Again, they were connecting believing in Jesus as breaking the law of Moses. Okay, because he healed on the Sabbath. Now again, that's that was what we're giving it. Now again, Jesus pushes back on that, on that in this chapter, right? He's like, hey, guess what? You guys have a double standard. You don't like me for the same thing that you do. Like that's not okay. Right? And, and yet, Jesus here is establishing that he was the fulfillment of the law of Moses right? as the chosen Messiah that had been sent by the Father. Okay, Jesus was not what they expected in a Messiah. Right? And Jesus pushes back on their preconceived ideas. And then in verse 30, Jesus, is, Jesus uses this phrase. He says that my time has not yet come. Okay, now this is a significant phrase. Jesus used it several times throughout the gospel. Okay, and, and then we get to the end of the gospel when his time comes, and that is when Jesus willingly submits to these same people, right, and is arrested and ends up at the cross. Right, because we know how the story ends with Jesus, right? We, we know that these, these Jewish leaders, people in this reaction to him, they don't give up, they don't they don't lay off, right? They they continue to pursue and find a way until Jesus, till his time comes, and he willingly submits to them, and ends up on a cross. But as, as we as we see all of this this happen, okay, is, is we see this kind of what's bubbling up here in this festival in verse thirty two. It says, "When the Pharisees heard that the crowds were whispering such things, they and the leading priests sent temple guards to arrest." Okay, they, they can sense there's all these different reactions to Jesus. They, they, they hear the rumors. They hear the gossip. They, they hear the murmuring, right, of, of the drama that's going on. And, and they realize that this problem is not going to go away easily. Right? And so they take it to the next level. And they send out these temple guards to arrest Jesus. Yeah, now, how do we see this reaction play out today in our world? We see it in those that already have their mind made up about Jesus. And there is nothing that's going to change their mind about Jesus. Even if he is real, belief in him will only mess up the life that they currently have, something that they really do not want. And again, the way this this reaction we see from there play out today, right, is that they're not even willing to listen. My mind's made up. Don't talk to me about that Jesus I want nothing to do with it. And ultimately, what's the motivation behind that, right? The motivation is like, no, I don't want to change. I I like my life the way it is. I I don't want anything to do with Jesus. Even if their life is miserable, right, that seems better to them than, than submitting to Jesus. Right, because even if they will, just sitting in their own misery and their own pain, at least it's familiar Right? but doing something different following Jesus is scary and it's uncomfortable right? and i might have to make some sacrifices and i just i just want nothing to do with that so i'll just stay in my pain and then we see these reactions and then we move to this section in the middle of the chapter verses 37 through 39 okay and in these verses okay is we see that Biggest, most important point of this entire chapter. and, And that is that all three of these views of Jesus are not permanent. No matter what views of Jesus you have, no matter what views of Jesus we see in our culture and in our world, is that none of those views of Jesus are permanent. Okay, it's exactly what Jesus tells us in these verses. Look at these verses, 37 through 39. It says, On the last day of uh, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, Rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given. Because Jesus had not yet entered his glory. Now, there, there's a lot in these few verses here. Okay, but, but first off, again, who can access this living water? Everyone. but right, Jesus saw all of these reactions, he saw all of those conversations, he heard the murmuring, he, he knew uh, everything that people were pushing back on him and, and, and calling him out about, and, and all the even the downright rejection. And yet, he still says, everyone can drink. No one's excluded. None of these reactions are permanent. Now, also, as we see this huge, incredibly powerful statement and claim by Jesus. Okay, as we work our way through these chapters, again, as we're stepping back and seeing the bigger picture of the gospel, is that this is the third time in seven chapters that Jesus has taught on living water. You think that's significant? Absolutely. And and we see again, who has access to this living water? Everyone. That is the heart of God. No matter what your reaction is, no matter where you are in your life, no matter what trap you've fallen into, no matter what you blindly followed, no, no matter what is going on in your life, you are not denied at the feet of Jesus. Because everyone can drink. And these views of Jesus, no matter what your view of Jesus is, is not permanent. And then after this, Jesus drops this bomb on the crowd. Okay, we see kind of the, the rest of the chapter, verses 40 through 52. And we're going to read that together. John chapter 7, verse 40. It says, when the crowds heard him say this, some of them declared, Surely this man is the prophet we've been expecting. And others said, he is the Messiah. Still others said, but he can't be. Will the Messiah come from Galilee? For the scriptures clearly state that the Messiah will be born of the royal line of David in Bethlehem, the village where King David was born. And so the crowd was divided about him. Some even wanted him arrested, but no one laid a hand on him. And when the temple guards returned without arresting Jesus, the leading priests and the Pharisees demanded, why didn't you bring him in? "'Well, we have never heard anyone speak like this,' the cars responded. "'Have you been led astray, too?' the Pharisees mocked. "'Is there a single one of us rulers or Pharisees who believes in him? "'This foolish crowd follows him, but they are ignorant of the law. God, "'God's curse is on them.'" And then Nicodemus, the leader who had met with Jesus earlier, spoke up. "'Is it legal to convict a man before he's given a hearing?' he asked. "'And they replied, "'Are you from Galilee, too? "'Search the Scriptures and see for yourself.'" No prophet ever comes from Galilee. And once again, in this in this exchange here between these religious leaders, we, again, there's a lot going on here too, right? These, we once again see that the top religious leaders and, and their hard, fast reaction to Jesus is that they are not willing to change, right? Their minds are made up. And yet, once again, we see Nicodemus resurface here, right? Remember, he was in chapter three when he came to Jesus and and again, something that John is really good at is he does not resolve stories. Okay, we, we end in chapter 3, the, the story with Nicodemus was not resolved. He didn't tell us how it played out. And, and yet here he gives us a clue again on, on where Nicodemus really is at, right? Cause, because then they make the claim, right? There's no Pharisees that believe in him. And Nicodemus is kind of like, wait a minute. Shouldn't we give him a trial before we make him guilty and- Again, notice Nicodemus doesn't, he, he doesn't really stick his, his, his neck out, but, but he, he kind of does. But right? and yet we also see here the, again, the, the, I think the most interesting thing that we see here, right, is, is, is the reaction of, of the officers that were sent to arrest Jesus. Again, what was their reaction Their reaction was like most of the crowd, and and even some of the Pharisees, even by Nicodemus, right? Is that many were drawn to Jesus by something they couldn't explain. I mean, they come back, literally, they come back empty-handed. They failed at their job. And they come back to their bosses, and they're like, we really have no explanation. Right, we, we, we can't defend ourselves, we're not doing our job. there's just there's something about this guy we just couldn't do it. And when we think about this situation, I don't think there's there's not a better picture to describe the, the context and the situation that we're in with this crowd other than this one. We, we can't explain it. We don't know what's going on, but there's just something about Jesus that just draws us in. We're not sure what it is. We don't even know what it's going to do to us, but we, I have to go towards Jesus. Right? And, and we, we see, again, this, this reaction, right, that, that many in the crowds believe. In kind of the context and the timeline of the festival, we can kind of confer that literally even these temple guards were likely gone for a day or two. And and when they finally come back, right, with, with the job undone, right, that they were sent to do, they have no other explanation, right, than what we see in verse 46. We have never heard anyone speak like this. The guards respond. There's just something about Jesus We cannot explain. And we see one more time, right, that that through as this this story plays out, that that whatever reaction we have to Jesus, it is not permanent. Because there is something about Jesus that draws us in. Now, again, if, if you are a follower of Jesus, then you know what it is. It's love. Because you experience something with Jesus that you don't experience anywhere else. Because it draws you in. You you start to realize that that God loves you even when you don't love him back. No matter how much you, you reject him and push him away, all he does is love you more because everyone can dream. Again, how do we see this play out today? Well, we see it play out the fact that God pursues everyone with his love and draws us to him. No matter what your reaction to Jesus is, he loves you. And he's pursuing you. Right, And he will not let a sheep go without going and looking for again if you are being drawn to Jesus will you take the next step in your journey are you going to to follow his leading are, are you gonna are you going to move closer to him are maybe that's joining the journey of faith for the first time ever and receiving him as your savior and confessing your sins and, and and opening yourself for the first time to his love truly or maybe that's just just taking the next step getting over to the the hurdle that's in front of you in your journey, whatever's holding you back, getting rid of it. I I don't know what the next step of your journey is, but I can tell you that God loves you and that he's pursuing you and he is inviting you to drink no matter where you are in your journey. Again, we see those that were drawn to him. We see the guards that took a step forward in their journey. Right, we see Nicodemus take a step forward in his journey, and then the question then comes to us is, what's the next step in our journey? And you want to end with the question we started with. What's your reaction to Jesus? Because the truth is we have to answer that question every single day. And no matter where you are in your journey, whether you are not a believer yet or whether you've been walking with Jesus for decades, you still have to answer that question every single day. What's your reaction to Jesus going to be? Again, we see these three distinct common reactions to Jesus in this chapter. And we also see people that are open to Jesus, and that they take steps forward closer towards Christ. And many times when we look at our journey, right, and, and see what's in front of us that this is how we feel we look at our journey and say (laughs) I have no idea what direction I'm headed in or what's coming or or what it's going to be and I look at this sign and my first thought is who on earth would try that at 45 miles an hour But then my next thought, though, I look at that, right, and to say, but, but the truth is, right, as I look at this, and I think that Jesus will never look at us and say, this is what's ahead of you, good luck. Right, because Jesus never does that. Right, Jesus gives us a glimpse of what's ahead of us. He says, he doesn't say good luck, he says, let's go. Right, the sign does not say good luck. The sign of your life journey says, I love you. So let's go. Because I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Again, I don't know where you're headed. I don't even know where your journey is going. I don't know where you are in your journey. But I hope that you will not leave it up to luck or chance. Because Jesus promised that he would never leave us and that we would never be on our journey alone because everyone can drink. And so instead of good luck, the sign says, I love you. Let's go. Which leads us to the final thought this morning, and that is this. It doesn't matter where your journey starts, but it does matter where it's taking you. Is your journey taking you to Christ if it's not, are you open to change? And even if it is going to Christ, then are you going to take the next step to get closer to him? Are you going to be more like Christ tomorrow than you are today? Are you going to answer that question every morning? What's my reaction to Jesus? I hope you'll take the next step in your journey, whether that's receiving him, as your savior and joining the journey of faith or, or just getting over the hurdle or just celebrating the fact that God's with you and you're moving forward, right? Just react to Jesus today. Lord God, that is our prayer this morning, Lord, that you would be our king. God, that no matter where we are in our life, Lord, no matter what our reaction to you has ever been, Lord, that we would drink of your living water. God, we pray, God, that we would drink every day. God, that we would dig deeper. We would not blindly follow, Lord, but we would find your truth and we would live into it with everything we have. And Lord, especially as we go this week, Lord, as we are faced with our own journey of what step do I need to take closer to you? God, I pray that you will give us the courage, Lord, that we need. Lord, the the promise that, that we're not by ourselves, but God, that you're walking with us. Lord and and if you challenge us, it's because you love us and you want better for us. And Lord, we we pray today, Lord, that as we go this week, Lord, that we would live out our faith every day, God, that we would show this world what it means to be loved by you. And God, we would do our part in inviting others to join the journey as well. God, we so desperately we praise you today, Lord, that no matter what our reaction to you is, you don't stop pursuing us. You don't stop loving us. But God take us forward on our journey. We love you. We praise you. We worship you today and every day, this next week, as we go, and we serve you and love you with everything we have. Guide us today. In Jesus' name.